This past weekend saw the biggest search in 50 years for the Loch Ness Monster. So what did they find? Well, let me explain. Let me explain with Sean Defoe, a News Talk original. Thanks for tuning in to the Let Me Explain podcast. And don't forget to subscribe on whatever podcast platform you are listening to. This week, we are monster hunting. Hundreds of people descended on Loch Ness in Scotland to try and figure out once and for all, is there a Loch Ness monster? And if so, what is it? There's been more than 1,100 sightings of the beast over the years, but the first came very specifically on the 22nd of August in the year 565 AD from an Irishman. My aunt, you saw it, didn't you? Yeah, oh, distinctly. I don't doubt there's a monster myself. I just noticed a small, dark shape just out of the corner of my eye. We saw this great neck emerge from the water. And then there was the long neck and you could see the tree hump. Thus follows the account of Saint Adamnon, 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 something like that. Writing of the actions of Saint Columba. <clears throat> On another occasion also, when the blessed man was living for some days in the province of the Picts, he was obliged to cross the river Ness, and when he reached the bank of the river, he saw some of the inhabitants burying a most unfortunate man who according to the account of those who were burying him was a short time before seized as he was swimming and bitten most severely by a monster that lived in the water his wretched body was though too late taken out with a hook by those who came to his assistance in a boat the blessed man on hearing this was so far from being dismayed that he directed one of his companions to swim over and row across the cobble, that's a boat, that was moored at the further bank. And Lou McCumin, hearing the command of the excellent man, obeyed without the least delay, taking off all his clothes, as you do, except his tunic, and leaping into the water. So just really took his trousers off then. But the monster which so far from being satiated was only roused for more prey, was lying at the bottom of the stream. And when it felt the water disturbed above by the man swimming, suddenly rushed out and giving an awful roar, darted after him with its mouth wide open as the man swam in the middle of the stream. Then the blessed man observing this raised his holy hand while all the rest, brethren as well as strangers, were stupefied with terror and invoking the name of God formed the saving sign of the cross in the air and commanded the ferocious monster saying, Thou shalt go no further nor touch the man. Go back with all speed. Then at the voice of the saint the monster was terrified and fled more quickly than if it had been pulled back with the ropes though it had just got so near to Loon as he swam that there was not more than the length of a spear staff between the man and the beast. Then the brethren, seeing that the monster had gone back and that their comrade Loon returned to them in the boat safe and sound, were struck with admiration and gave glory to God in the blessed man. And even the barbarous heathens were forced by the greatness of this miracle, which they themselves had seen, to magnify the God of the Christians. So, St. Columba, travelling through Scotland, ordered his pal to go swimming in a monster-infested lake so that he could show off. 
do not trust a saint when they tell you to go and do something, especially if it involves taking your pants off. A remarkable amount of miracles attributed to St. Columba, including turning water into wine, drawing water from a stone, doubling the cattle herd of a lucky someone. And in some versions of that Loch Ness story, he actually brings the dead man back to life before telling the beast where to go, just for good measure. So, monster banished, right? Columba got rid of him. Well... Not so much. Let's fast forward to 1933, Sunday, November the 12th, to be specific, after Mass, to be even more specific. Earlier that year, a local hotel owner and his wife had claimed to see some whale-like creature stirring the waters of Loch Ness. And this particular morning, a man named Hugh Gray was taking his usual Sunday post-Mass walk by the banks of Loch Ness and said he saw an object of considerable dimensions coming three feet out of the water. He whipped out his iPhone, or, well, the equivalent at the time, a very large Kodak box camera he was carrying, and snapped off a few shots. Only one of those developed, and it appears to show maybe like a snake, a very unclear thing in the water. The fact that it's still one of the best pictures of the alleged monster 90 years on actually says a lot about capturing this thing. Seems weird to carry that big camera though, right? I'm just going to go for a walk and I'm going to bring my camera that's like two-thirds the size of a microwave with me. Uh, Until, of course, we learned that Grey had actually spotted Nessie several times before and so this time was primed to capture her. Naturally, there were many searches and many sightings over the years and up until now, the biggest search party was called Operation Deep Scan. One of the men at the helm was Adrian Shine. He's a pretty fascinating character. He submerged himself in the lock in the 70s in a practically homemade submarine, like a, a little circular pod that just about fit him in it and had windows on to observe what was happening under the waters, initially hoping that some he would sink down to the bottom and some sort of large creature would swim over him and he'd be able to confirm Loch Ness. But he actually got very into ecology and all the... the different creatures that were were in there much smaller than any sort of a monster while he was down there and he was heavily involved in the sonar search of Loch Ness Operation Deep Scan Um, the lock is up to 240 metres deep and basically a line of boats went along doing sonar searching Deep Scan was this great long line of vessels dropping this seemingly uh, unavoidable curtain of sound. Of course, another thing that wasn't widely appreciated was that the most we could ever get out of Operation Deep Scan were a set of sonar contacts. It was a sonar expedition. We would never be able to drag some physical creature out of the lock, even if it hadn't been something enormous swimming about underneath us. I have reflected quite a lot since on what the three contacts we got actually were. It would be about the same strength as a seal, for example. And admittedly, we now know that seals do enter the lock. But I don't know what one would be doing diving down quite that deep. I suppose you could say the fact that I don't understand my three contacts, and I don't, doesn't necessarily mean they were Loch Ness monsters. It might just mean I don't understand them. And although that search found no direct evidence beyond those pings, locals know what they saw. My aunt, you saw it, didn't you? Yeah, oh, distinctly. I don't doubt there's a monster myself. And the farmer behind us said, what you're looking for, you know there is, we live here. I would say it would be about 30 to 40 feet uh, between, yes, between the small hump and the neck. Uh, it was really a, a monster of some sort. It, it put me in mind of a 
you know, when you see, when I see the photos of uh, dinosaurs and that, I think, I really think it would be of that family. But surely with all the modern technology, we'd be able to find Nessie this time, right? Well, here's what happened after day one of testing. Hey, my name is Alan Roderick McKenna, and I'm from Edinburgh Loch Ness Exploration. So this weekend, we are going on the boat DeepScan, the research vessel DeepScan, where we will be using the hydrophone system, which is an underwater microphone, so we can listen to the underwater world of Loch Ness. Uh, on Friday, actually, when we were testing equipment, uh, we did hear four distinctive noises that we didn't know where it was coming from, we didn't know the origin of it was, um, which is quite exciting. But again, when we're not saying it is the Loch Ness Monster. It just means that we now have to go back out and do it all again on Saturday and Sunday at the same location to try and identify these noises. Um, but it was quite exciting. It was really good. Um, we weren't alone. We had 12 other people on a speaker system that heard these four distinctive noises. So the scale of search has been fantastic. We had over, I think, 300 people on the webcams watching over the weekend with us. Um, we were supposed to have 100 on the Saturday and 100 on the Sunday volunteers, um, or just shy of 100 people. Um, and again, you know, they braved that weather. I don't know if you're aware of the weather in Scotland at the moment. It was horrific over the weekend, so much so that the Scottish Highland Games were cancelled after 75, the first time in 75 years. Uh, but that didn't stop us and that didn't stop our volunteers. And um, we all ascended to, to Loch Ness to, you know, to keep eyes on the loch, as many eyes as we possibly can. Um, we've had people coming from all over the world. We've had people from Spain, France, Germany. Uh, we've had a Finnish couple. We've had news teams from Japan, Australia, America. Uh, it's been really good, and we've all kind of band together. It's been fantastic. And it does seem that the audio results were the most promising. I'm Paul Nixon, General Manager at the Loch Ness Centre. This weekend at the Loch Ness Centre, we've undertaken the largest quest, the largest hunt for Nessie in over 50 years. We've had over 200 volunteers. Uh, 100 of them lined the banks of Loch Ness, all trying to help us discover what is Nessie. Uh, so far, we've had some really exciting noises heard on our underwater hydrophone, and that was an experiment conducted with Loch Ness Exploration, where they've dropped a microphone off the side of our boat 60 feet down into the depths, and they've detected some noises which they can't quite explain. Though journalist Andreas Wolf, who's been at Loch Ness, well, he put a bit of cold, locky water on that one. They were all very excited when they heard four... Uh what he described as bloops um, and then, then they ran to, uh, to see if the recorder had captured it but the recorder hadn't been turned on but there were a few witnesses on the boat who heard the four bloops but he also admitted later on that they could well have been a duck or a wave or something like that so um, I'm afraid we're not much further so basically, despite all the tests and the hundreds of people watching webcams over the weekend and all the different things they were doing and drones involved and all that sort of stuff, there has been no definitive proof of the Loch Ness Monster this weekend. That, though, hasn't deterred those who travel long distances to try and find her from keeping the search going. I've never had a sighting or an observation, but if you immerse yourself in the evidence, you have over a thousand good sightings that are very consistent, consistent descriptions. 
I'm Christy McLeod. I'm from Toronto, Canada. I have been coming from Canada for the past nine years to hunt Nessie. Um, a connection just through when you're a child and hearing fables. You know, you hear about a sea monster and it might be real. So the obsession came quite young. And when I was an adult and was able to get over here and hunt, that's kind of when it started. We haven't found a lot in the lock, but what I have found is a lot of stories from the people in the surrounding towns with a lot of different theories. So although I personally haven't seen anything in the lock, um, many theories from different townspeople. Um, and, and there are a few um, cults that live on the lock that believe quite outlandish theories of what Nessie is. Uh, my name is Isaiah Photo. I'm from Texas. So out here looking for Nessie, obviously. Um, been traveling to some more of, more of the spots with better uh, vantage points so that we can uh, see if we can find Nessie. I did see something in the water uh, bobbing about. After further investigation, I found out that it was actually just a pipe in the water. But, uh, you know, had me for a second there. Hopefully we find Nessie, you know. Hopefully we find her uh, swimming about and uh, we can finally reveal her to the world. Now, I have to say, one thing I wondered is how has the hunt not really progressed at all over the years? Like, what has science not taught us? through all this and there was actually a 2018 study which found no DNA evidence of a large animal in Loch Ness but Adrian Shine he's also been researching some of the sightings and the specific details of the sightings in particular two claims that come up again and again one that they see the sort of three humps you know the kind of a sea serpent look that you see on some of those old worldy maps maybe and the other one that there's some sort of long-necked creature in the water. Now, the stereotype of the Norwegian sea serpent with its relatively short head and neck and lots and lots of humps, we explained at Loch Ness. It was boat weights. The Caledonian Canal means that quite large vessels move through, and the wave train left behind them is called a displacement wake, and when viewed from a low angle, results in a remarkable illusion of solid humps. Now we're left with the plesiosaur stereotype, with its longer neck and its shorter body. Now how could that be explained? What on Loch Ness has these flexible long necks that we do know about? He means geese. And it might sound outrageous to suggest that these long-necked birds could produce monster sightings because of scale. But consider now the situation when the water is calm, it's flat and doesn't contain recognizable objects. How then do we judge the scale of an object we do not recognize? And the answer is it's very difficult. If we don't recognize the bird and we can't judge the scale, then we are left with an image which is very similar to that famous surgeon's photograph that is the picture we would all recognize of a Loch Ness monster. So, water wakes, geese, and seals. No, somehow I'm not buying it. Whatever the Loch Ness Monster is, it's very good at hiding. Thanks for listening to the Let Me Explain podcast. Sean Defoe producing and presenting with John Kyo as the editor and Lachlan Hart on sound production. I'll chat to you next time. While in the meantime, I'm going to try and secure a budget to actually go and search Loch Ness ourselves. I think Let Me Explain on tour yeah, could be a winner. <laughs> <laughs>